0: Just like to begin with a prayer, so you could please join me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask that Your Holy Spirit fall down upon every single person gathered here today. I ask that Your Holy Spirit fall upon me to give me the words of encouragement to give me the words that will transform hearts from despair to hope. And I make this prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week when I preached, I asked a question asking, what are you carrying with you? What are you carrying with you? And that could be taken very physically, you might think of what you physically had on you, or maybe you thought of emotionally, psychological, what you were carrying. Um, But in in my heart, coming into Mass today, I'm carrying a lot of uh, awareness of, of heaviness that a lot of us are carrying. Even as I was listening to the news this past week, I was looking at a study from the Wall Street Journal, and it talks about social media and the impact it's having on mental health of its users and this past march so march 2020 that is it said that 32% of teenage girls feel bad about their bodies and their self image and going on instagram even made them feel worse and another study from 2019 reads that a lot of teens i'm sure nobody here of course but you know other people They blame Instagram for their increase of anxiety and depression, mostly due to what is known as social comparison. What is social comparison? Well, social comparison is when a person starts this process of going down a rabbit hole, of looking at other people's social media accounts. And the more they compare themselves to others, it leaves them with a feeling that they are simply not enough. Or that even something worse, something is wrong with them. And there's a lesson in that because that means the more that you and I compare ourselves to others, the more we're gonna be filled with despair. Compare rhymes with despair, and, and, and it's a deep despair because we've never seen mental illness hitting people as hard as it is, especially with the amount of social media that people are consuming. What is deep despair? It's, it's almost, and sometimes completely, the absence of hope. And that is a deep disbelief that there is not any good in myself. That's despair. There's not any good in other people. That's despair. And also, when I look around, there's, no, there's not anything good in this world anymore. St. James, our second reading today. He informs us that this will happen because he was warned by the Lord. He was warned by Jesus Christ. In chapter four, verse three, he said, beloved, talking to you and me that we are God's beloved, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every foul practice. Ambition is, being dis, is, a, is a disordered desire to constantly have to, feeling this need that I have to, put others down to pick myself up. And on social media, even worse, I have a greater desire to promote myself as better than other people, or even to believe in the lie that if I don't have social media, something's wrong with me, or I'm, I'm not going to be able to get the attention I need. And it's oddly humorous of how many people who are jealous and if not envious of others and are full of selfish ambition and if you want to keep walking that way if that's you today it's only going to lead to more disorder in your life and more foul foul or repulsive practices And if you are full of ambition or envy or even anger today or even just carrying the weight of the world, trying to tackle your sins by yourself, the question is, how is that going for you? How is that carrying that weight going for you? Or even worse, if you're not carrying it, are you judging others who are attempting to get better? Because when you and I try to live a life of ambition and we're full of envy, gossip's going continue, to continue to arise. Cruel judgment and treatment of others is going to arise. But that's why we're here, because we realize we don't want to go down that path. If we go down that path, we're going to feel more anxiety, more depression, We're going to feel like we're not enough or the world isn't good or we're not good and we don't need that. So what does our Catholic Christian faith, which is over 2,000 years old, tell us? To keep us in God's grace. That is, to keep us safe from all these temptations. The Holy Father Emeritus, Pope Benedict, he says that one who has hope lives differently. Last week we talked about following a crowd. And one thing a crowd doesn't do is carry a cross. One who has hope and carries a cross knows that no matter what I'm going through, there is resurrection. And one who lives differently, who has hope in Jesus, they place their problems in the hands of God rather than their own because they realize they can't carry it all. And St. Paul tells us in Romans 5.5 5 that hope never disappoints. That means if you're feeling disappointed with the way things are going, Jesus is here to offer you and I hope. So what is the hope that Jesus desires to offer us as we enter into part two of last week's gospel? They're arguing like little kids. This is like me and the focus missionaries, a couple people playing mini golf yesterday. We were arguing because clearly the girls cheated, right? The girls got the same scores that They might have actually had one stroke less, but the guys, because we're so mature, right, we're so wise, that we said, no, you're cheaters, and we began to bicker. And later in the evening, as the Focus missionaries and I were playing board games, clearly the girls were cheating, and the guys had it all figured out. We just couldn't let them have it. I'm sure nobody here ever argues like little children, right? So we cannot relate the Gospels at all. You ever hear people say things like, I don't need to go to church. It's so old school. Well, give me a break. Are you, like, listening to the Word? The apostles are arguing like little kids, and they're saying, who is the best? Not that anybody here would do that, of course, right? And what does Jesus reveal to his disciples once again? Suffering puts a lot of things in the right place. Have you ever met somebody when you're going through your own quarrels, your own squabbles, your own family and a tragedy comes before you. And it's almost like, why are we arguing in the first place? Jesus tells them once again, I'm going to be handed over to men and they are going to kill me. The disciples' response is, who is the greatest? Because they don't want to deal with the suffering of their Savior. And in your Squabbles in your arguments, and in your interior arguments that struggle that you and I have, Jesus offers two solid solutions. So if you're going to listen to anything in this homily, here it is. Firstly, Jesus calls his followers to be leaders by serving. Servant leadership. He says the greatest among you, if you really want to be the greatest, will be your servant. Notice how Jesus didn't say... Be a self-servant, just serve yourself. You know, the higher you try to raise yourself with having more and more status, the truth is the harder you're going to fall because you're falling from so high with so much fakeness and falseness and hypocrisy below you. And like St. Therese, our patroness for the year, the more little you make yourself, that is, the more humble you make yourself, the higher you'll be raised in the arms and the eyes of God. The second solution, apart from being a servant, is Jesus takes a child and puts his arms around a child to show us that he's calling you and I to be gentle. Gentle with ourselves, gentle with others, which was predicted in the book of wisdom today to say, well, let's see if he responds, the righteous man, the one who says they're a follower of Jesus, let's see if they're actually gentle. And you know, when you just think of children, they have this unique capacity of being taught and retaught. And they also have this ability to get lost in play. You know, the, the imagination, the Catholic imagination has been so lost. We're so in this world, we're not developing our Catholic imagination. And I don't know if you've ever seen a child get totally lost, abandoned in the present moment. You know, taking little paper airplanes and flying around or whatever they're doing, playing the sandbox, reading a book, whatever they're doing, building a fort. There's this ability there. And Jesus, as teacher is presenting us his mission by taking a child and placing it in our midst who at that time as far as social status goes if they were on social media at that time nobody cared about kids they were on the lowest rung of a social ladder and Jesus is teaching us that you and I too must place ourselves below others to serve others be a person who doesn't see themselves as better than others or worse than others. They see others as their brothers and sisters because they realize they're made in God's image and likeness, and God is always our creator. He created me and you. In St. Therese, our patroness for the year, she lived her whole spirituality knowing that she dare not compare herself to others. She dare not. Sometimes people come to the Newman Center and they think that we're all perfect and they feel like they're less. If you think that anybody who is here is perfect, you're wrong. And I'll tell you how imperfect I am another time. And we know that, again, compare rhymes with despair, which means lack of hope in anything. So if you want to live a hopeless life, just go on social media, go look around the world and start comparing yourself to other people. But if you want to live in hope, here is what St. Therese offers for you and I. She often, at her time period of living, she, this idea of the elevator was coming to fruition. And instead of trying to compete or do it all on her own, she began to pray and imagine the arms of God the Father as like an elevator to just pick her up. So she would just do that. She would just put her arms up and say, Papa, pick me up. And she'd wait for her heavenly father just to raise her. And I believe today, Jesus is desiring to come into your life, wherever you're at, and meet you there. When the disciples come into the house today, they're, they're arguing, and they're afraid to respond to Jesus. Whatever you're most afraid to talk to Jesus about is most likely what he wants to talk to you about right now. Whatever you're most afraid to talk to Jesus about is most likely what he wants to talk to you about right now. And in that house, whenever I think of a house, as they enter into it, it gets quiet. And it's most likely what Jesus wants to do is quiet you, calm you, console you with his gentleness. But again, he's always like this with you and I. He's right there. If all the noise of the world is going to continue to allow us to not listen to him, we're never going to hear him. We hear in Revelation 3.20, he says to you and I, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. So will you open the door to enter into dialogue with Jesus? Maybe for the first time or the thousandth time or the millionth time. And often when I pray over your soul as I prepare my homilies, I imagine like what would your house look like? Welcome to my imagination. So I was praying over this in your souls, and your, this, the, the, the house of your soul. I just imagine each of your houses is a hammock just waiting for you. A hammock takes itself very lightly. And it takes faith, it takes trust to assume that whatever structure is holding up the hammock is going to hold you. And as Jesus places his arms around the child in today's gospel, he's desiring to do the same for you today, and by the way, the rest of your life. And it takes trust. And I I always try to practice what I preach. So this morning when I was doing my holy hour, I went over to the Newman Center and I, I sat in a hammock for an hour. And because I'm not prideful at all, when people are walking past the Newman Center, I covered myself up because I didn't want other people to see me. Not that anybody here cares about what anybody else thinks, right? But deep down, it's most likely that when you and I open the door of our heart and we let Jesus in, he simply is inviting you to place yourself in his arms, like a hammock that completely holds those who place themselves inside of them. And that is what Jesus desires to share with all humanity to give you hope. This identity of being a child of God, of being held by God, and also him holding all of your problems, so he can be close enough to you so you can hear him speak to you, and you can tell him what you're most angry about, what you're most frustrated about. And he doesn't mind listening. He's God. He can handle your problems. He handled them all on the cross when he paid for your salvation. But maybe there's some people here who are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I'm ready to go all in. Well, maybe little by little the Lord is just saying, would you at least sit in the hammock and let your tippy toes touch the ground and start that process today? the process of letting him carry you and all that you carry. So eventually begin that process of letting go of the weight of comparison that sometimes leads to self-hatred and depression and anxiety and place that on him and let him carry it and see what he has to say about it. And it's most likely that every time you and I hold something else rather than letting ourselves be held. So if I'm holding my phone or my remote control or alcohol or a jewel or whatever people are carrying around that are full of fears and ambitions, whatever is in your hand or in your heart today, it is more of an invitation to be held by God. Every time you reach for that and you want to hold that, Jesus is like, that's what I want with you. Simply stated, you and I can't carry it. So why do we try to keep convincing ourselves that if I carry it, if I control it, things are gonna get better? What's the fastest way to freedom from all this? It's surrender. It's surrender. Like a child is surrendered because they need to be fed, they can't change their diapers, they need someone else to take care of them. But not just surrender in the big things, but surrender in the little things, which will over time lead you to a deeper sense of hope that Jesus will take care of everything. That's what it means for God to be your Savior. He saves you. He keeps you safe from all the dumb things that you and I try to convince ourselves of that will work. And if you have done that, your witness matters. If you are doing that, your witness matters because our world needs to see men and women, children of God, to show them what it looks like to be held by God, but not just when things are going well, but also when you're about to pull your hair out of your head because you're so frustrated and so angry. And if you find yourself confused, if you find yourself you just don't understand how to place yourselves in the arms of God, do not be afraid like the, gospel, like, like the apostles and the disciples in our gospel today. The invitation is for you and I to put away envy, ambitious thoughts, and the process, to start that process of being humble by asking for help. Pick me up, Papa. Placing ourselves in the hammock and asking for the help to what confuses us. And it might just be that the person sitting next to you or near you can help you. Jesus gave us a mystical body, disciples, to journey through our pilgrimage to heaven. But I wonder how many of us are so fixated on the physical we forgot about the invisible. Who is that person sitting next to you? Would that person sitting next to you be Jesus? Just knocking at your heart and wanting to set you free and hold you? Well, Let us take a moment of silence to place all that is weighing us down, all that we're carrying on this altar, and it's heavy and it's only weak to we have to do our best to not fight him anymore and let him fight for us, and to place ourselves in his arms. We pause, we reset, we start over, we repent, and we ask for the Lord to carry us through this week, because clearly when we don't, our anxiety rises, our depression rises, our mental illness rises. And setting, let that rise this week. Let's let our hope rise this week by placing our trust in him and nothing else. Amen.